Hi, my name is Shannon Pfeffer. I'm obsessed with understanding the how and the why behind feeling good and translating that knowledge into strategies that help you live better. Each week, we'll dive into conversations about food, fitness, stress, career, and family. We'll learn from each other, feel more connected, and we'll explore ways to design a life you love. So what are you waiting for? Keep listening for tips, tricks, and fun facts about feeling good, looking good, and living better. And don't forget to bring a snack. This is a Side of Syrup podcast. scrolling through Instagram and something stops you in your track. You see someone living their best life, toasting cocktails in fabulous destinations, knowing a city like Paris, like the back of their hands. Well, my friends, that is Megan Donovan who currently, at this very moment, is spending a month living in France. I have known Megan for quite some time. And when we were working together, her work ethic was incredible. And she managed to do everything with kindness. And I'm so proud of her career journey and how it's taken her to living in a place like Paris and really elevating everyday life with her beloved, and I mean, I don't even know, I've lost count, 10 plus years, beloved blog, Wit and Whimsy, a lifestyle site that toasts elevated living itself and was started as her own side hustle and now is a thriving business, Paris Perfected, a boutique trip planning service. For those going to Paris, maybe a stopover in London. Megan has put in the hard work to build a life she loves, a life that is elevated, but still, you know, we get peeks into her every day. So on today's podcast, Megan talks about her story, how we're connected, and also, you know, balancing it because she's, she's on the plane a lot. She is running two businesses herself. Uh, and she managed to have an incredible wellness routine. Megan is also a go-to beauty guru. So we get into, uh, things that we both love, things that she's recommended and things I can't get enough of. And we do talk a little bit on the serious side about Megan's scare with skin cancer and how she beat it and what she does to protect herself. And, and there are amazing tips for all of us to go right into our everyday. So, Without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to my friend, Megan Donovan. Hello, everybody. Today, one of my favorite people and probably somebody you guys have been following on social media and her blog for quite some time now, but I am thrilled to introduce, if you don't know her, get ready to know her, um, Megan Donovan. Uh, Megan and I worked together eons ago, and she has come so far building her own brand, her own company, and this lifestyle that is just, um, I just want to step into your Instagram feed every day and like be your bestie. So 
But Megan, in in your own words, tell me tell me who you are, what you do. I want everybody to know the the whole gamut of your expertise, and then we'll kind of dive into everything else. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me, Shannon. It's fun to reconnect and revisit with you. My name is Megan Donovan. I'm the founder of both Wit and Whimsy, which is a lifestyle blog really tailored towards elevated living, and then also the founder of Paris Perfected, which is a bespoke Paris trip planning service. Which I have used in a, a couple of years. Yeah. Yes, my right. former client. Yes, yes. You were one of my first clients, so thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, and also like former very satisfied client because when I got my like Paris perfected itinerary, I was like, I, I mean, I'm here for, you know, this is certain, I don't know if I can do all this. I want to do all of this and more and like show, <laughs> go back and show Megan, like I did it all. Um, That's always my challenge is I always give more because I'm like, people like to have options, but then everyone comes back to me and they're like, we can't wait to use more of your rocks on our next trip, which I'm like, okay, that's job well done that I've inspired you that you want to get back to Paris. But yeah, it's always, Paris is one of those places where I say, it's like, you can never do it all in one trip and you just have to like, you know, manifest a return so that you can do everything else that you didn't get to on the first trip. Exactly. Exactly. It's like one of those places where every time I'm there, I'm like, it's an annual trip. Like I, I mean, yes. you're, you're much closer on the East coast. So it's like easier flight for, but for us, I'm like, it, it's just a stopover. We're like, we'll go there for a couple of days. Not actually, that sounds terrible. Paris is not a stopover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so you know, a good combo with London, though. It's like a good combination. Especially, I mean, you have kids, so I feel like London is London and Paris. I feel like are so well suited to bringing children, and so you just have to to plan for it. Yeah, but you're right. I'm I'm a little bit spoiled being based. I I say now that I'm based in New York and in Paris because I'm over there frequently enough. But it is almost too easy to go from New York City. It's under six hours, so it's it's really wonderful. <laughs> I don't think I could ever like leave the East Coast because of that. <laughs> no, it's like a crazy thing that I forget about too. Like it's like you can go to San Francisco or go to Paris. I choose Paris a hundred out of a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's dive back into a little bit about the story of Wit and Whimsy. Um, for everybody on, on listening today, Megan and I worked at a global um, PR and ad agency together for quite a long time. And we got my first job out of college. It was my first job out of college. It's so crazy. Crazy, crazy. And we (laughs) did events together and traveled together and worked together and collaborated on so many things. And in the background, Megan had a blog. And at the time it was still like sort of this like foreign thing, like a, how do you have the time to even keep it up and B, like, Oh, like you're in the digital world. Like what, what's going on? Like, so did you start your blog in college? Yeah, I started it when I was a junior in college. My blog origin story is really deeply related to my brother who, one of my brothers, he and I were together at the kitchen table, I think it was the day after Christmas um, in 2006. And he was, he was very into emerging technologies at the time, which is so funny because he was like in eighth grade, I want to say. 
And he was like, you should really start a blog. These are going to be the next big thing. Everyone's starting them right now. And you have a lot to say and you have things to say about things no one else in this family is interested in, which was totally true. Like I've always been the shopper. I've always had a lot of opinions. I was the friend in college that people would come to and be like, I'm going to Walgreens. What mascara should I get? And I'd be like, oh, get this one. This is the one I love. And so Wit and Whimsy was really born out of my love of kind of like sharing good finds and storytelling. I also was the kid in school who was always told I wrote too much. Like I had too many words, too many pages, needed to edit down. And so I was like, this blog, no one's going to tell me that I need to edit it down. It's just going to be my own. But yeah, that was that was before Twitter had not been invented. Instagram had not been invented. I think the only social media platform at the time was Facebook. And that was obviously still relatively new um, as well. So yeah, I just started it as a hobby. Did not predict that I would be doing it all these years later, but did keep it up for the entirety that I worked in, in corporate America, including when when you and I crossed over. Yeah. Yeah. And you had posted something on social recently and I sent it to my husband and I was like, this is motivation of like, you know, people not believing in, in your dream or like, what are you doing? You know, like questioning that. Yeah. And I had a lot of that back in the, well, I mean, I'm sure it still happens now. I hear hear of it less, but yeah, when you're, I think when you're doing anything new or that people feel like is more risky because you're putting your life out of there, it is very intimidating. And I had to really drown out a lot of the hate that I got or the judgments or the, you know, glances of, especially when I started taking photos of myself to put on the internet. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was a lot of persistence, I think, but it, it was always something that brought me joy. And it was actually something I looked forward to after a 12 hour workday, because you and I worked in an environment that was extremely stressful, very long hours, working with clients that personally I wasn't necessarily very interested in. I wanted to do a great job on them, but it was from my personal level of interest. Like I wasn't particularly interested in motor vehicles or digital payments. So um, for me to be able to like go home after a long day and work on something that I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to talk about this new shoe brand I discovered or Essie's new nail polish collection. Like that was fun for me. And it was kind of a way to like decompress after a very intense work day. And that's what kind of like, you know, kept me going. I obviously had a very different cadence of posting when I was like new in the workforce. Um, but I'm glad I, even if it was like one post a week or a couple posts a month, I was glad I like at least sat down and kept it up. Totally. Totally. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with of like, you know, I'm going to do this one thing, but then taking all of like the day-to-day action to make it happen. That's where like the give up is. And Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter if you're like too busy or there's a lot going on. If you, if you do sort of chip away every day over time, it becomes such a habit, such a, such an easy thing, like brushing your teeth, you know, just completely a way of the day. So Speaking of sort of like that pivot, I mean, you moved to New York and you left the West Coast and you figure out like this agency corporate world is not for me. Like what kind of kind of like made you come to that decision and then what did you do? Yeah. So I did my career path was that I worked in three rather large PR agencies or one smaller agency that was part of a big um, PR conglomerate, but I worked in PR agencies and I 
had interviewed for a lot of jobs over my time in New York City. So I moved to New York when I was 25, I want to say. And so I was very ripe for like a new opportunity, started a new job, was constantly interviewing at different places um, that I thought would make me happier, be the, the career move that I wanted. I wouldn't get the positions. So I stayed in the agency world and I, I distinctly remember my breaking point because I had finally gotten, I always was one of those people that was like very driven towards like titles. And I wanted to be able to say that I was like a VP by the time I was 30. And I reached that precipice and crossed over and I was so excited about it. But then I was like, but I don't even really like my job. So like, why was I chasing this title that, you know, wasn't going to actually bring me happiness or change my day to day. And all the while I was doing, um, doing my blog and that required a ton of um, discipline because I had to do blog photo shoots before 7.30, 8am before I would get into the office. I would work weekends, most weekends, and I was just really burning out. But my, my real awakening moment was the day after Thanksgiving. And this would have been the day after Thanksgiving in 2015. And I was working with a client where we had to do all this stuff for Black Friday. And I did not go to the bathroom that day. I did not eat. I was chained to a computer and no one else on my team seemed to be caring as much. And I just like came out of the room I was working in and like burst into tears. And I was like, this is not what life is meant to be. This is not how I should feel at 30 years old in a career that I feel like I have really worked very hard at. And I just, what am I working for? And I felt I had gotten to that point where I was like really working for things that drained me instead of things that filled my cup. And so that was my breaking point where I was like, I need to completely step back and determine like, what does happiness look like from a career standpoint? And I start had started to like, to kind of think, you know, do I want to be able to do I really want to be able to like work for myself? Do I think I have the discipline to do it? And so I started talking to a lot of uh, friends of mine, colleagues, you know, all sorts of different people in varying industries that worked for themselves and started asking them all my questions about, you know, being self-employed. And um, the picture by that March of 2016 kind of had come together where I was like, okay, by June, I want to be self-employed. I want to be starting my own PR consultancy, but also doing wit and whimsy more full-time. I want to be able to split my time 50-50. And it was the best decision I ever made. I'm coming up on seven years of being self-employed. My career has actually wildly changed even since then. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, so often we feel really stuck in careers because we feel like, okay, this is the thing I went to college for, or this is the thing I told everybody in my life was going to make me happy, or this is the career that I always imagined for myself. And then there's like a sense of feeling a little bit embarrassed where you're like, oh, wait, but that's, this hasn't made me happier. This isn't what I want to do. And I, I love the world that we live in now where it feels like there's a lot more opportunity to pivot and to change what, you know, what you might want to do. And that's, that's really just, I think, hopeful to look at if you're in a job that you don't necessarily feel like fills your cup, like what are the steps you can take? And even if those steps do involve work on weekends, work at night, work early in the morning, like start taking them now in order to to begin to to try and change what what's how you spend your days because it's a lot of days that we spend in our lifetimes at work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you know, oftentimes we set these like high goals for ourselves and it's like I'm going to do this in my life. I'm going to 
get this where in my career, I'm going to be with this person, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to travel here. And then sometimes when you reach that destination, the dream falls flat. It's truly, it's, it's a box you wanted to check versus like you personally want. And so I think I've seen that happen to so, so many in my lives. And it's, you, you see people late in their careers. I mean, there are many people we worked with in the agency world where I loved them, but they were miserable and they had Mm -hmm. gotten so far EVPs, SVPs, managing directors, what, whatever title it was, but I started off being like, I want to be like her and then being like, I want to do everything I can to not be like her. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that was such a wake up call for me to be like, oh, wait, this is what I thought I was chasing. And it's not at all what was actually making me happy day to day. And I'm someone that really, really cares about my work and it almost to my detriment at times. So working in an agency environment where oftentimes a lot of the decisions were made without you for what you were spending your time doing, that it was like, well, this isn't this, you know, I think I could be even more of an asset if I was working on things that I really enjoyed. But if you were a top performer, oftentimes you were put in the most difficult scenarios that really just caused burnout. And there were no solutions really to burnout. Like you're not going to, you're not going to solve burnout with an extra week of vacation or anything like that. And so it, it really felt it really felt like something that I had to like completely shift my perspective on what my career could look like. And it was a big decision, but definitely like worth the risk for me personally. For sure. For sure. And then how did you, how I, I hate to use the word balance because no one really balances stuff yeah. anymore, but yeah. I, how did you manage then? Like, okay. A jumping into entrepreneurship and then running two things at one time, like, was that a recipe for more burnout or did you, did you feel like more fueled in a way? I feel like I got definitely burnt myself out in the first six months because I like essentially was barely sleeping because I was like so afraid of paying my bills, even though like I was fine. But like I live in the world's most expensive city. And so I was like, I have rent to pay and now I have to pay self expensive self-employment insurance and all of these things. So I, I really felt this like deep seated fear of, you know, being able to ensure that I was paying my bills. So I burnt myself out in the first six months. But then I also I found such happiness in the freedom that I felt so that no one was telling me you have to be in this meeting at this time. No one was telling me there's a Monday morning meeting every morning or every week. And so I was able to really pick and choose the pockets and where I was working. So like I would do client work, you know, on certain days, I would block up all Fridays for no calls so that I had all the time in the world to be able to work on blog posts. I was able to go to like events that helped me from a networking perspective for my blog at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, which I was never able to do on a weekday previously. So I was able to really kind of like craft my schedule in a way that fueled me. And that to me is like the thing I still love the most about being self-employed is I love the freedom and no one's counting my vacation days and things like that. Of course, with all those benefits come, you know, the cons of, it's a very it's very stressful to be self-employed. It is um, it is hard to turn off. I think if no one is telling you, hey, no, definitely we have that closed as a holiday. Like I work I work so many different holidays during the year that a lot of people have off because I'm like, oh wait, I forgot that, that this is supposed to be a holiday, but no one told me to take it off, so I guess I'm at my laptop. 
So yeah, there's certainly pros and cons with those, but I really, I really love the freedom that comes with, you know, being my own boss. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And then I think while it's, it's nice to envision like the corporate world is shifting and, and it becoming more flexible. It's still hard to be like, imagine yourself back in that because you can go mm-hmm. to a doctor's appointment without anyone asking anyone's permission. You know, you can live your yeah. life where you, you want it to. So that is huge. And then, okay. So give me the timeline of when Paris Perfected came out of this. And, and I guess like also how did that come up? Because yeah, here of like you were able to travel a lot more without being like yes, like a butt in a seat. <laughs> Completely, exactly that. And I, so I had gone to back. I studied in background. My family lived in London in the nineties. My parents um, had taken us to Paris several times. Fell in love. It's like the first place I remember really having like the feeling of like, oh my god, this place is so beautiful. I love it here. I want to come back. And I was only in fourth grade at the time, and. Then I went on to study abroad there. I had studied French since I was in fourth grade. So that was like the very natural choice for me for study abroad was, okay, I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to live there for four months. It was very, very transformational as an experience for me. Um, I felt like it was the first time I really owned my independence. I felt very moved and inspired. And those were things that I hadn't really felt prior to being 20 years old. And so... I finally returned. I had returned a couple times, but I returned um, in 2014, and then I returned in 2015, and then I started to be like, okay, I think I want to go back. In 2016, I went back, and so these annual trips were then very feasible after 2016 when I became my own boss. And so I would go back for like a week. It completely filled my soul. I would feel so inspired. I would get different ideas. I would shoot things for my blog posts. And it was my trip. I was in Paris in 2019 for my birthday. And it was, I just couldn't even keep up with the DMs. And I didn't even, I don't really have a humongous social media following, but I just could not keep up with the amount of DMs of like, my mom and I are coming to Paris. Where should we stay? What's your favorite croissant? Where do you, what neighborhood do you like to stay in? And I was walking in Paris and I was looking at all these DMs and I was like, I think there's something here that would be a business. And I felt like people really understood and connected with what I call my version of Paris. Cause like, obviously my version of Paris is different than anyone else's, but I also felt like 2016 was peak or excuse me, 2019 was peak. What I would call the Kardashian version of Paris, where like, I felt like everyone was going to the same places that are not very good. And I'm like, there's just so much better options in Paris. So it was kind of killing me to see people all go to the same restaurants that it's just maybe it has a good view, but the food's bad. Or one of the number one places that people go to that gave me food poisoning. So I'm like, I just think that I have like service to provide here. And I came up with the name right then and there. And I came back and a month later, I like put up a blog post. I had no service. I had no product. I had no website no yeah. brand really. I just had the name and I was like, oh, let's just see what this happens. And I launched it at a really affordable price. And within seven minutes, I had my first order and I was like, oh, and then within five months, I had a hundred orders. And I was like, okay, this is definitely a viable business. There's a, you know something to this. And I went back in February, 2020, which we all know what happened shortly thereafter. Um, but I had really grown it. I had to, you know, I had to really lean into, you know, a very different muscle of like helping people plan these trips. And then it was also adding another business to my plate, but it was 
it remains like the most fun for me to be able to help people plan their trips to Paris. But it was, it had a lot of momentum and then COVID happened. But as we all did, you know, we pivoted and took a pause. And now I'm happy to say that it is back and growing, growing, growing um, since everyone's been able to finally return to international travel and, and get back to Paris. Mm-hmm. And then you've added on, you've expanded to have London, correct? Yeah, I have London as an add-on now, which like is just a kind of was a natural, it was, I got asked a lot about it. Um, I would like to, you know, eventually be able to help people with any element of France planning. So hopefully that will be, you know, a workable goal for me in the coming years. Um, I love traveling in France and I just, I really love the the French people. So hopefully that will be a continued uh, pursuit for me as we move forward with like the Paris perfected brand. Gosh, keep me posted. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, we did champagne, but we want to go back and, and do some more of the, the wine country and beaches and. Yes. So oh my, there's just so much to do in France. That's like, that's the challenge is like choosing what it is you want to do. Like Bordeaux is so beautiful. Provence in the summer is just everything you could wish for and more in the Riviera. So yeah, that's, it's a wonderful thing that there is so much to do there. So much. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so thrilled because, you know, every trip that you go on to Paris, I'm super stoked about. And I take screen grabs (laughs) of like the super cool decor in restaurants for like inspiration and uh, also, I'm one of the people who are like, like I'm like getting teased, but I like want to know more. Every time you also share out, like this is for, this restaurant's great. It's for my my specialty, my clients only. And I'm like, damn yeah. it, why can't I be another? <laughs> Come back. There's now a return client product, so I can refresh your recommendations. Yeah, because that, I mean, Paris is, it's like any big city in the world, right? That there's always something new. There's always something exciting to do. And I just really keep very close tabs on the best new restaurants opening, who's doing interesting things in the city, what are special exhibits happening at museums. And so I'm kind of obsessive in the way that I like track what's happening in Paris. And then I go back several times a year to kind of like suss it out because if I see a thing like 12 times on TikTok, I'm like, I'm going to go check to see if this is actually good. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's awful. But I like to personally vet everything, which I think is an interesting element of the service versus, you know, someone that just like writes a guide, publishes it. You can buy it for 20 bucks off the internet. Like that's fine. And there's certainly a market for that. Yeah. But I like my, I like my recommendations to be really bespoke because when you went with your husband, you're going to, that was a very different trip than when you go and you bring your three kids, right? Like you guys will have a very different trip. And so I plan for honeymoons. I plan for girls going on a solo trip. I have planned so many 30th birthdays, which is so Mm -hmm. fun. I've planned every type of trip at this point. I planned for someone who's bringing their mom who's 75 years old, who's never gone to Paris. And like, it just is so fun to play a part in these. Paris is such a special place and it's a big occasion place. Like it may be a place you only get to once in your year, once in your life. And so whatever that trip is, I want to make it as seamless, as easy and as rewarding as possible. And I always say that I think that, you know, for me in Paris, I found a place that just truly, truly like, inspires and moves me and i hope that everyone in their lifetime can find a place that that does that for them because i think if you have a place that every time you go back to your heart swells a little bit in your chest like that is a form of self-care and so 
I really hope that, you know, that could be Central Park in New York City for you. It doesn't have to be an international destination, yeah. but I think it's so worth finding a place that really just like moves you and just brings a smile to your face. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I think there's there's so much that we can do for ourselves to be happy or find that joy or there, there's a, a line someone, my husband had told me years ago that he he used to be like a an agent and then one of his clients had told him this and it was like, you know, the secret to happiness is always having something to look forward to. Like if you don't have anything to look forward to, then life is like blah. And if you have that, yep. the destination, that place, that coffee, it could be as simple as like a bookstore or a coffee shop, you know, mm-hmm. that makes you feel whole, then yeah. that's, that's your spot and it's yours, you know? It can, mm-hmm. everybody else could like it too, but like you got to find your thing. Yes. Uh, I love that. I think that's such a good point. So you, with all the travel, like I have to ask, cause I'm one of the people who gets on a plane and gets a cold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you like keep up like any sort of like health routine, wellness routine? You know, how do you stay healthy and take care of yourself? I probably am not the best person to answer this because I don't do a great job of that when I'm on the road. I definitely do not work out when I'm in Paris, um, unless you count like me lifting croissants to my face. But I'm walking. Yeah, that's true. I'm walking a lot. I'm walking like 25,000 steps a day. So yeah, that's my that's my form of workout so that I can eat as many croissants as possible. Yeah. I do little things for myself where it's like, I know I'm not going to sleep as well if I don't sleep with earplugs and eye masks. So like, I'm going to do that every night so that even if I'm only getting five hours I'm getting those like five hours or I must sleep the whole time mm-hmm. um, I take probiotics whenever I travel so I try to do things like that that are very small self-care items and then what I've really learned to do is like before I leave and after I leave I need time that is just like relaxed and chill so like I've stopped being the person who has to go to the event that is the day after I get back from a trip like I just I'm not going to say yes to it because I know I'm going to cancel and I don't want to be the person that cancels. Yeah. So um, really kind of like building in time for myself where I don't overbook myself pre or or post trip has been really important, Mm -hmm. which is really, that's like flexing a muscle saying no, which I'm not the best at. I think when you are self-employed, you're like, I have to say yes to everything. What if this is the next big opportunity? Like what if this person's going to be a client? You know, so you say you want to say yes to everything, but in the last like two years, I've really exercised saying no more. So I feel like I, I definitely try to do the smaller things that I hope will keep me healthy versus like trying to be the person that's going to like wake up early and go to the hotel gym because I just, I know that's not myself. And I also try to like bake in a little solo time. So if I'm not in a place by myself, like I really, really thrive off of solo time when I'm in Paris. So I never make any plans for the morning I leave. I usually take a 2.30 flight back to New York, which means I usually head to the airport around 10, 10 30. And I, that time in the morning is my time. I wake up at seven and I walk the city. I wake, I go get croissants. I get snacks for the plane. Mm. I go to the parks. It is Paris by itself in the morning when there's not a lot of people out. It's just, it is magical. It truly brings me to tears most times. And so like I, I really try to build in time like that on my schedule that is just like me time. It is time yeah. for me to reflect, time for me to have ideas. 
and not be, you know, feeling like I have to be with other people. So I think that's something that I really try to like bake in for my own mental health as well when I'm traveling. That sounds dreamy. Yeah. I, um, I am reading a book now called The Comfort Crisis. And there's a section of the book and it's all about the amount of time you should be spending by yourself outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And without distraction, like there's different, there's like three different levels of spending time outside. Like one is like, you know, you're out there, like you're running out with your keys and your phone and, but you're still like by yourself and in your own world. And then the next is like, you are out for many hours, not checking in. And the third is obviously like wilderness level, which I don't really know if that's you and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's all about like the benefits of like shutting off and having that that personal time because it it does. It's sort of like is like your reset button, and you know it's been a while for me because I, I haven't traveled in a bit, but like I've seen you have these walks in the morning, and it's like the walks bringing you to tears and like having that reset button and like starting mm-hmm. the moment, like the next phase of your journey back in New York and back to sort of the grind. That is so, so needed for self-care. It's something like a lot of us just don't take that time to do because we're just like, got to go to the yeah. next Got to go to that event when I get and off. And I the- think too, like if you travel with other people, like it's very okay to be like, I'm going to take the next hour for myself. Like I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop and like read my book. I'm going to do, you know, I'm just going to walk and go get myself a coffee and you, I'll bring one back when I've, you know, when I'm coming home. But I think people often feel like they have to be with each other at all times. I see this with a lot of like groups of younger girls that travel together. It's like, they're like, we feel like we have to have every single minute. It's like, it's really okay to say like, I want an hour out of this trip just to myself because I get a lot, I plan a lot of trips for solo travelers. I get a lot of questions about how do you solo travel and feel safe? And I, you know, I live, I've lived in big cities most of my life. So I feel like I usually have my wits about me, but mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where I think like people are almost uncomfortable to be by themselves or they feel like, okay, if I'm going to be by myself, I have to be on my phone. And I'm totally actually living in Paris for study abroad made me comfortable with dining alone, but that was certainly something I was not comfortable with prior. And now it's like, I have meals by myself all the time. And so I just bring my Kindle Mm-hmm. That's my company is a good book. I try not to be on my phone because I don't need to be looking at Instagram in that moment. I should be really tasting what I'm eating and taking in my surroundings and just enjoying my own company. And I think so often, especially in a world now where you have entertainment at your fingertips at all times, we're so afraid to be our own company. Yeah. And I think sometimes like we have the best ideas when we're our own company. So I, I really try to cherish that. And I don't do it enough in New York City. Mm-hmm. But I really, when I travel, you know, when I travel solo, I like to get certain meals with friends and I'll, you know, bake in friend time. Um, Like in Paris, I have a lot of friends that live there. And so I'll have dinners with them and certain events and things with them. But then I always bake in alone time because frankly, it's like such a gift to ourselves. And then I also really, my favorite form of self-care when I travel alone is to like get a glass of wine and a dessert from room service and then have it in my pajamas like watching a good nancy myers film and it's just the best it's very good medicine yes it sounds magical (laughs) magical right now (laughs) Um, yeah uh i know i think i feel like we're similar in that way of i've gone i i actually love traveling alone (laughs) it's amazing yes 
amazing. <laughs> Once you know, you know. Once you know yeah. the beauty of self travel or you, you solo travel, you know. <laughs> it's just, it's. I, I mean, I would leave. I would leave every uh, kids at home. Just like go somewhere. <laughs> And a notebook, you know, I, I've gotten called out by waiters before of bringing, like, I'll, I bring a notebook, a brand new notebook for every trip and oh, I love this. yeah, I'll write down like a cocktail I had, like, here's the recipe I liked, you know, or like just ideas. I, I'd like to say I'm a drawer, but I can't draw. <laughs> so, um, but you know, putting that down and, and the waiters have been like, what are you, what are you doing? what are you working on yeah and they're like we don't see people like this and it's just it's just a I love I want to try that yeah it's really it's really nice because then also like you can look back on it like months later years later and be like oh that was fun or like in this moment I was like I'm gonna make this cocktail I remember how good it was like yeah yeah, I love that I think that's such a good practice yeah that's that's really freeing but I I know I wanted to dive back into something you said in the very beginning and, and tie it to something else. Like you are also a person like who knows like all the beauty products and, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Recommendations are gold. And thank you for that new face Trinity recommendation because that. <gasps> oh, my uh, God. I'm so glad you like it. I've been using mine every night since the start of the year. <laughs> it is like. I, in the beginning, I was like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then now I'm like, holy moly. This like, Yes, it's such device. a good device. Yes. yes. <laughs> so thank you for that hot tip. But, um, I wanted to also sort of ask you a couple of questions about another area of wellness you've been public about. But, you know, sort of like because you've been in the health and beauty space too – maybe some tips for everybody, you know, you got diagnosed with skin cancer and, and you, mm-hmm. did it, but you know, you live in New York city and, and you travel to Paris a lot, not necessarily the bright and sunny destination all the time. <laughs> like how did you even know? And, and what, what are things like we could look out for? Yeah, I, that was a real, that was a very hard time. Um, that was in August of 2019. And I will say, like, I definitely was somebody who was not great at sun care. I'm very fair, um, fair skinned, and I was not great at sun care when I was growing up. And I had a lot of bad burns, and I had this spot on my upper, kind of like back, lower neck, upper shoulder area. And it just kind of had stuck around and it looked kind of problematic. And I had, I have um, a history of skin cancer in my family. And so I was very good about going to get annual skin checks, um, which I just am the biggest advocate for. It takes one hour of your time once a year to go book with a dermatologist and have your skin done in a full skin scan so that they can look for any abnormalities. And sure enough, this, once they had biopsied it, came back as cancerous. Um, thankfully, it was uh, basal cell, which is of all the three types is the best to have. Um, yeah. But in doing so, it's also, once you find that, it, it, they tell you, you know, all these statistics where it's your, you know, your the chance of finding more skin cancer after you've had one increases for the next two years. The chance of finding skin cancer also increases your uh, chance of having additional cancers, which that's a very scary thing to be told at, I think I was 34 or something at the time. 
And so I've, yeah, I've become a real big advocate for people going to do their annual skin scans and then really just having sunscreen on you at all times. Um, and understanding the difference in sunscreens on the market, because there are chemical sunscreens and there are mineral mineral sunscreens. Mm. My doctor essentially told me like, you should not be outside for long periods of time without a hat on and you should not be outside for any time, even if it is dark and gray without physical chemical, or excuse me, physical mineral sunscreens on. So I constantly have like a little mini SPF on me and whatever bag I'm carrying so that I can reapply. I have tested mm-hmm a hundred sunscreens trying to find the good mineral ones because there's so many bad ones um and so finding the ones that are really good and actually like lifestyle they work for your lifestyle like being able to put makeup on over um being able to touch up over makeup so yeah i just i i want people to know what to look for and i think you know sunscreen is a pain but it is something that can like truly you know change your life uh if you're using it regularly and so now i just i try to talk about it a couple times every year to just remind people um and thankfully i have been skin cancer free since 2019 so i hope that continues but truly it's one of the best things that you you can do for yourself yeah i have uh two questions is mineral sunscreen the one that like turns your face white and is yes unfortunately (laughs) Okay. All right. And is the SPF in makeup enough? No. So makeup, um, if it has SPF, you're basically not doing enough. And that is because the SPF is watered down as soon as it's put into a formula with Mm. foundation, BB cream, whatever. And so you really should be using your own skin, your own sunscreen, um, and it should just be a sunscreen product. So if you have like a foundation with SPF in it, put that on after you put on sunscreen. Mm-hmm. But yes, the physical sunscreens are the mineral ones that have the, a lot of them have the really bad white cast. They're mm-hmm. getting so much better though. In the last two years, I've found like at least three that I really like that I think are, they almost look like a tinted sunscreen, but they're not actually tinted. It's just that they kind of put in a little bit of an undertone. So you don't get that horrible white cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not found a body one that I love yet. So I'm still on the search for that. But for face sunscreens, they've gotten a lot better in terms of like not making you look like you've just put on a white face mask and have left the house. So I'm glad that the technology is improving. Um, but the reason being is that mineral provides a physical blocker versus chemical is actually seeping into your skin. And so that's why they say like with chemical sunscreens, if you apply them, you have to wait 30 minutes before you have sun exposure. Physicals, you don't have to. Like a mineral sunscreen you're putting on, it's like you have created the physical barrier between you and the sun. Yeah. And so so um, that's also kind of nice too, is like, if you want to roll up to the pool and put on your sunscreen right away and like get in, you can. That's really good to know. Also that, that sunscreen that is like very like white on your skin, uh, on your body, because we have a ton of that here. Yeah. It doesn't come off. So <laughs> it's so hard to get off. I know that's the other thing you like have to have a loofah in the shower. It's, I know it truly is not like that's why I actually don't go and sit on beaches anymore because I'm like it's not even worth it like I'll go and honestly just like sit under an umbrella Mm -hmm. always have a hat on but like yeah it's the it is I hope this is the year where someone comes out with a body SPF that is a mineral sunscreen that is not awful to put on or awful to take off yes I'm in. I I don't care how much you yeah. got. Well, I will take it. I also yeah. have extremely fair skin and yeah. am t- 
terrified. I, I haven't done it yet, but it, when I moved to LA, someone said um, that you'll notice like one side of your body is so much more like sun tinted than the other because of driving. And yep. that is true. But the other thing is this, is this true or this is false, Megan? Uh, airplanes, I heard airplanes. The, the UV rays are oh, so Oh, I don't know. I Probably. Don't know. I know people that definitely wear SPF, like, on a plane. Mm-hmm. I feel like I never sit with the window open. Like, mm-hmm. I might put it open for a photo, but that's probably true. You're closer to the sun. I But we'll, we'll need some. We'll need, a, like, a germ to listen to this yeah. and, and weigh in. Yes, yes. But you just have to like be able to know what runs in your family history. Yeah. And as I said, I have familial history of skin cancer. And you just have to know like what are the things that are, you know, is it driving? Like, should you be putting sunscreen on all over? Should you have a hat on? Things like that. So yeah. And and I'll have a in the show notes, guys, I'll link to some of Megan's blog posts uh, where she talks about um, skin cancer scare and and sunscreens and all of those things. So we can you can go directly to them and because I'm sort of, I'm on the quest too, because it's just, it's so important. And especially that the weather is so much weirder here in LA than yeah. in and, uh, you know, just slathering on a little bit in the morning on the face is like just not enough or like, Oh, this, this, yeah. You have 40 in it. I'm good. No, I'm not good. <laughs> Yeah, so, exactly. And it's like the reapplying is the is the pain also, but it's it's definitely worth it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I have one last question, and it's a question that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. And so Amazon kind of scooped me on this when they actually came out with physical buttons, by the way, but I had this question. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so if you had a button to do anything in your life. And it was just like with you all the time. And this thing could happen every single time you pressed it. What would that button do? I think a lot about how I just, I wish that everyone treated every scenario in life with a little bit more kindness. I think we're so, we're in a, um, we're in, we're living in a world where people really want immediate results and immediate things and they don't want to wait in lines and they get frustrated and impatient. And I just, I always like, I come back to that phrase around you, what is it? You catch more flies with honey Mm. that, you know, like that phrase where I just, I think you can go so far in life and just so far in day to day. If you treat such scenarios with a little bit of extra kindness, Uh, my mom always tells me the thing that she, one of the things she likes about me most is that I, when I interact with someone, I say, how are you? Mm -hmm. And most of the time she's witnessed everyone reply like the, it could be for example like a server in a restaurant they'll say hi how are you today you know can I get to your order I'm like good how are you and they mm-hmm. their reaction oftentimes is thank you so much for asking and it's like it's just such a small thing and it's even just like saying have a good day to the person that put my groceries in the bags or something mm-hmm. and I think if you go through life emitting that sort of like kindness and that sort of um, more positive energy, I think everyone would be in like such a better place and happier Mm -hmm. overall. So I feel like just emitting a little bit more kindness to everyone's day to day would probably be what I would choose to do with my special magic button that I hope eventually is made. (laughs) I'm going to work on it. I love that because you do something every year on the holidays that this year I was like, I'm doing this of like getting Starbucks cards and handing them out just to, you know, people who, who need it 
people yeah. that it's a really easy thing to do mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and I, I just try to like you know try to make a, a little bit more kindness in whoever I like encounter and I hope that that you know comes off in my online presence but also in my offline presence because I just I believe that everyone needs a little bit more dose of happiness in their life and if you can do it in a really easy way it's worth doing yeah, yeah, because you you don't know anybody else's story. You can make a ton of assumptions about why someone yep. might be in a bad mood, or why someone said something, or why someone is like you know sort of has a despondent look on their face. But you know, just one little yep. thing can change somebody's world. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. Awesome, awesome. Well, Megan, this has been a treat to have you on. I wish we could be sharing a coffee and croissant together. But I know one day come visit one day, one day in New York or Paris. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. I would love that. I also need to get back to LA because I always love visiting LA. So come. the rain is over. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's beautiful. It's green. It's lush. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to hit stop here. love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and review and subscribe so you never miss the next one. Also, if you know someone who would love this episode or podcast in general, send it to them too. Thank you. New episodes go up on Tuesdays. Thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to hang out with you again soon.